So the Lord's Supper is concluded, but we're not through with it. How can we ever be through with it? We are now just in that period between the Lord's Supper on this Lord's Day and the Lord's Supper on the next Lord's Day, Lord willing. So what, is, what do we do in between those two meals? What do we do in between these two worships, gatherings, assemblies? You know, sometimes when a, uh, when a ritual is kept, it can be kept religiously and it can lose its meaning. Reflecting on Veterans Day this weekend, it was good to note that the meaning of that observation has not been completely lost. That it hasn't yet become captive to um, holiday sales. and I know there's some of that, but it hasn't, it hasn't yet fully surrendered or to a three-day weekend the way some observations have. And I think the sad news is that our, our observance of this Lord's Supper meal can quickly become a religious ritual where as long as we know we've done it, we did it the right way, then we've got God off our back for one more week. We'd never say it like that. Or maybe we think that if I can get there and if I can do that, then maybe somehow it has some effect where it it erases the sins of the previous week. Christ is your Savior, not your ability to keep a ritual. What I want us to do is think about what we've experienced And what that means as we move forward to experience this all over again. Because where we're going in eternity, as I read the Scripture, we're heading to a huge banquet where where we are going to be invited into a feast with our Savior. So this is something of a rehearsal. This is something of a practice. That keeps us in mind. Consider what we mentioned today, what we know about the Lord's Supper today. These were some of the thoughts that we brought into orbit around the Lord's Supper. Reading Scripture, we see in the Lord's Supper that fear and worry are crippling. If Jesus had given in to fear and worry at Gethsemane, he would have left the mountain. He could have called in the angels. But he didn't. Love and obedience kept his face set towards Jerusalem. We've been saved from fear and worry. We've been saved from the, way, from the corrupt, crooked ways of the world. God loves us enough to go to the extreme to make mercy with us. He's willing to sacrifice so that there can be a new relationship with all of us. But also, <laughs> by extension, it then means we should have a relationship with one another. That we ought to love one another. It's, I guess, you know, I, I don't want to get into this, you know, but you can take communion alone, okay? I, I've done it, you know. I guess, I guess that's, you can. But 
it still has its best meaning when it's done together, when it's shared. And don't worry, I'm not, I'm not trying to make you nervous if you're in one of those situations where, well, I'm all by myself, I'm just supposed to take communion. Well, fine, go right ahead. But if you've got the option, gather with those. It was, it was, it's designed in that way. The other element built into the Lord's Supper is the sharing, is the fellowship. Because I think God doesn't want us to focus on Him to the exclusion of others. The way the Apostle John writes it is he says, How can you love God... How can you say that you love God who you have never seen and then claim that you do not love your brother or sister? He's saying that's illogical. It doesn't make sense. In fact, I would say that the meaning of that is it's shameful for us not to love one another. The Lord's Supper is calling us to behave like Christ when it comes to others. That, that song that we were singing, one of the lines grabs my interest. That 14-year-old in Montreal who wrote that poem, William Featherston. For thee all the follies of sin I resign. A folly... I, I don't know the last time I've used that word, the follies. I've heard of the Zigfield follies. I mean, I've heard of these. It sounds like some sort of party. It sounds like it's a revelry. It's a foolishness. He's saying in that poem, I mean, the wisdom of a young man, he's saying that sin is a foolishness. And sin has foolishness attached to it. And sometimes it's those of us who are supposed to be the mature Christians that indulge the foolishness of sin. And when we don't act like Christ, when we don't act loving towards one another, when we say, I'm good, I did my communion, I showed up on Sunday. Now I'm going to say whatever I want, I'm going to act however I want, and if other people can't handle it, then they'll just have to deal with it. I would say you haven't resigned the follies of sin at that point. I'm really taking this one to heart because I'll admit it's something I need to do. Christ is our Savior. He saved us from sin. Why would we want to go back to the foolishness of it? He is our Redeemer. That means He's made something good out of our lives. Why would we want to indulge in the foolishness of sin? How often do we justify our follies of sin, our worst behaviors, with a nod and a wink to God's grace? Or we make some casual statement, you know, well, yeah, I know, I'm going to do this, but, you know, I'll ask forgiveness later. And we treat that as if it's some sort of high church confessional. But we claim that we don't believe in that. Let's be done with that. Let's resign the follies of sin. I'm not just preaching here to scold you. I'm saying that if what we just did means as much to us as we say it means, you and I have a high bar to reach for. You and I have been called to a very better, redeemed way of life. And we can resign. We can give up the foolishness of sin. That's what I'm saying. Lord's Supper doesn't erase sin. Christ's blood cleanses us from sin. 
The Lord's Supper calls us away from a life of ingratitude. It calls us away from relying on the things of the world. It compels us to be the kind of people who ought to be invited into a banquet and have the grace to know that because they've got that invitation, they need to, they need to appreciate it and act like it. Here's a reflection that's consistent with the season. The movie Saving Private Ryan, it opens with an old veteran who's actually James Francis Ryan. He's walking through the grave markers at the graveyard for American soldiers um, in France, those who died on D-Day. The man is accompanied by his family, and he makes his way to the grave of one of the men who saved his life in that war. And we learn that he spent his life trying to live up to that sacrifice, the sacrifice of the men who saved his life. But before he salutes the grave, and before he asks his wife if he lived a good life and if he was a good man, his private conversation with the memory of that man is, I hope that at least in your eyes I've earned what all you have done for me. You see that scene in the theaters. And I'm transported to the Lord's Supper. I know that we can't ever be good enough to earn salvation. I know that we can't ever be good enough to get everything right. But at the same time, shouldn't the action and the love of God that we remember the the gravity and the importance of the sacrifice, but also the hope of the resurrection, shouldn't that compel us to do good? Shouldn't that compel us to strive for a holy life? Scripture calls us to holiness. It calls us to let the Holy Spirit be active in our lives. This isn't just a get-out-of-hell-free pass card like Monopoly. It's something fantastic. If we've ever been compelled to do the right thing or to pay it forward, when we reflect on what others have done for us in this world, then why can't we reflect on what it means that Christ has done what He has done for us? Consider how much greater it is when we resign all the follies of sin for Jesus Christ. When we live our lives for our Savior, the one who loved us enough to make mercy between us and God. The Lord's Supper is concluded, but we're not through with it. From now until next Sunday, live your life in such a way that you're living for Christ and you're giving up all the follies of sin. One of the ways that we mark that in the life of a believer is the surrender that is embodied in baptism where we, we give ourselves, we die to ourselves, and we trust in God to raise us up with Christ. And so those of you who've been baptized, 
This Lord's Supper means that you are continually sustained in that new life in Christ. You're a new creature, a new creation. And for those of you who haven't yet experienced, I hope you'll take to heart what that means. And I want you to know that Christ is the Savior for all the world, even those who don't yet know it. I mean, the saving power of Christ is still there. We just need to accept it. Let's stand, let's sing this song together.